0: Alright, hi everybody. Hi. Uh, if you're, if this is your first time or if you're new uh, to Impact Rock Church, my name is Mark and this is my wife Kara and we're the lead pastors here. And, uh, uh it is great to have you guys here with us. And last week Kara and I weren't here. I was doing uh, a wedding. Uh, for Kara's brother, and it was awesome. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, And uh, I heard that you guys just had a great time. I know that Pastor Matthew uh, of Lifesong Church of Erie was here, and he shared. And uh, so I look forward to hearing it. I haven't heard the message yet, but I will. Um, So it's, it's good to know that we can leave, we can go away, and that we're in good hands because we have just an awesome church. So we love you guys. And then Kara and I were in Chicago this week and if you if you follow facebook at all or looked at our pictures at all we did, we did a lot of eating a lot of eating in chicago chicago was great the city was great the museum was great the ball game was great but the food the food was awesome so so we're back now but we asked uh Amy Anthony if she would share this week and when I was thinking about uh introducing Amy and kind of talking about qualifications I thought Her qualifications to preach are the same as my qualifications to preach. The blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only qualification we need. My degree, my degree is not in pastoral studies, my degree is in graphic design. You know, I don't stand up here before you qualified to preach, except that Jesus Christ has made me qualified to preach. That we I'm in love with Jesus. I'm passionate about Jesus and about sharing his word. So uh so that said that's amy's qualification she loves the lord she is passionate about the lord but also she's passionate and gifted in speaking so uh let's welcome amy up amen (laughs) and we're just gonna uh stretch our hands forward and just pray over her and um ask the lord to just uh to anoint his words so let's just stretch our hands towards amy Father, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to hear from your word, Lord, to grow in you, Lord, to be strengthened, uh, and Lord, to hear from you. So we just uh, bless Amy, Lord, to bring your word. We thank you for your anointing that flows from her, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, do that incredible thing, Lord, that you do, where that her words just, Lord, become your words, Lord, that, that what she shares is your heart and your words. And touch our hearts with it, Lord God. Let us not leave here the same, but let us leave impacted, and drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, that's all right. Power
1: to the 80s. Can you guys hear me? Awesome. I've never used one of these before, but I wanted my hands to be free. So, all right. I was going to pray, but I don't need to now because you did it. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to stand before you guys um, and just share with you what the Lord has given me tonight i'm going to be sharing on the gift of joy we're going to see that it truly is a gift from our father the moment you were born again you were given the fruit of the spirit inside you dwells a well of salvation and it's each one of our responsibility to draw waters from that well do you hear that or am i the only one that hears that okay The joy of the Lord is found in this well of salvation. And many Christians do not realize that joy is a choice. Joy is often overlooked, but is one of the greatest powers of the Christian life. Joy is a choice to act on earth as heaven is acting at this moment with joy. There are reasons that we are where we are and who we are, and they aren't random. It's the same way with joy in our lives. We tend to think of joy as something that ebb and flows depending on life circumstances. But we don't just lose joy as though one day we have it and the next it's gone. Joy is something that we have to choose and then we have to work for. Joy will bring strength and healing to every believer's life who will choose to walk in its fruit. And having this joy will extend into the lives of the people we interact with on a daily basis. Tonight we will see why we need joy and the Lord's plan for each of us to tap into the joy of the Lord in our life. There's a vast difference between joy and happiness. Chuck Smith, who's the original pastor of the Calvary churches that are nationwide, defined joy in this way. Happiness is the level of the soul dependent on outward circumstances. Nothing there to ruffle things. Whereas joy is a spiritual quality independent of outward circumstances. I'm going to say that again because I think it's pretty important. Happiness is the level of the soul dependent on outward circumstances. Whereas joy is a spiritual quality independent of outward circumstances. Now that we know what the gift of joy is, why do we need it? Tonight we're going to look at four different areas on why we need the gift of joy. The first one is for healing. In Psalm 51, David asks for joy and God's presence after sinning, after his adultery with Bathsheba, and then murdering her husband to cover it up. That small little thing that he did. So we're going to read Psalm 51, starting in verse 7, going through 12, in the New Living Translation. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. Otherwise, we have it up here. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. David's prayer of repentance is his testimony of brokenness before God. His repentance didn't stem from fear of punishment or concern of future success. He repented for having violated God himself, his person and his nature. David cried out not just for pardon, but for purity, not just for acquittal, but for acceptance, not just for comfort, but for complete cleansing, whatever the cost. Although his heart was crushed by his shame and sorrow over sin, he knew the great breadth of God's mercy. Because he knew of this, once his sins are, forget, are confessed, forgiven, and purged, David dares to ask for God's choicest gifts. Joy, restoration, God's presence and his Holy Spirit. This is where so many of us fall short. We stay in the midst of the guilt and shame of our sin. That's not what the Lord intended. He intended for us to repent of our sins. Is that better? Okay. He intended for us to repent. Repent of our sins, receive his forgiveness, and then receive healing from it by partaking of his joy. Joy is where the healing comes from. Where you no longer look at your past, but you're now focused on your present. Moving on. Psalm 30, 1 through five, also in the New Living Translation. Ron, is that that's better, right? All right. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. In verse five, joy, which means Renna. I don't know if that's really how you say it, but when I look up in the Strongs, I do the best I can. It means a shout of rejoicing, shouting, loud cheering and triumph, singing. Renna describes the kind of joyful shouting at the time of a great victory. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This literally says that God will dance over his beloved people with singing or a shout of joy. And renna is the word for both singing and joy. I think that's important because when we look and we've read through these scriptures so far especially psalm 51 with david he was in dire straits he had sinned big time he had messed up horribly and he'd come to this place where he was no longer thinking about his the consequences of what he'd done he'd already gone through that he had an affair was a bad thing she got pregnant oh no her husband's off to war they're going to put two and two together i'll just get rid of him he gets murdered he has him killed he's now at the place that he knows what he has done is a sin against almighty god and that's where he's broken and as he repents and he lays it all there before the lord and he chooses not just to stay there but he knows his father so well that the father's purpose is that immediately the repentance and the restoration take place so that he can grab hold of his joy and it's this joy that we talk about that is a joy that can't be contained it wasn't like as david is crying out and then receiving the joy that it's just this oh i'm happy thank you father for touching me No, it's this joy that we see that is singing and leaping and shouting for joy and recognizing what his Savior has cleansed him from and then blessed him. He loves him so much that he no longer looks at what he's done, but he says, this is where I've called you to go, and this is where you're to go, and this is how you're to get there. You need my joy, and you need to run triumphantly with it. So I'm going to give it to you and it's going to cover you and it's going to be full of singing and shouting because that's what I do over you. Psalm 34, four and five says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I think one of the reasons that this is so passionate for me is that I've lived it, and I've seen firsthand our loving Father move this way in my life. There were several years ago when a lot of bad mistakes, choices, and sin put me in a place of being broken, broken, broken-hearted, broken relationships, broken relationship with my Lord. And there was a revival going on in Florida. And my friend had a word for me, and she said, Amy, if you can just get there, the Lord is going to change your life. And I went. I ended up going a lot. But it was funny because from the moment that I went, strangers would come up to me and say, The Lord has healing for you. And he wants to fill you with his joy. And from that first moment when I just allowed his healing to wash over me in every mistake, and every bad decision that I had made, and immediately I felt this joy and this love of the Lord like I've never felt and I've known him since I was a little girl and I knew from that moment on it didn't matter what I'd done because even if it was five seconds ago I'd given it to him and he'd taken it and he'd washed it and he remembered it no more but there was this onslaught of joy and it didn't just happen once and it wasn't just this refined joy it was this Stupid, silly, you're going to laugh and not be able to control it and you're going to, it's going to happen in front of all these people who don't know you and it's not going to stop and the service is going to be over and you're going to supposed to have to walk to your car and you won't be able to because I am going to fill you with my joy and you're going to laugh and you're going to cry and it's going to exude out of you. And it happened for weeks and weeks and weeks. So when I stand here and tell you, That there is to be that joy brings healing. I know it for a fact because it's what the Lord did in my life. And I think it's amazing that it's not just that we're supposed to stop at the healing, but then it brings the restoration and it brings the presence of the Lord and it brings the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not only will joy bring spiritual healing but it will bring physical healing as well. When you allow joy to rise in your heart, that joy will overflow into your body and set you free. Proverbs 17.22 from the Message Translation says, A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone-tired. Proverbs 18.14 in the New King James says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? And sustain here, tool means to maintain, nourish, hold up, protect, defend, to supply the means necessary for living. So I just want to encourage you, if you need physical healing in your body, first of all, you've come to the right place because the healer is here tonight. But his joy can bring physical healing to your body. And as far as emotional healing, I think there are some who have been going through a time of sorrow, discouragement, and despair. Life has a way of taking everything out of us, stealing any joy we might have. But God wants to set you free today and fill you with joy as only he can. In John 16:20 20 and 22, Jesus said, "Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice; and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. I think that this is a prophetic word for many of you. You have been overwhelmed with sorrow and grief, some to the point of intense weeping. But God is about to turn your sorrow into joy. You are about to catch a glimpse of Jesus, and your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. And nothing will be able to steal that joy from you. Isaiah 60, verse 5 in the NIV says, Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Once we've been healed from our past, we still need the joy of the Lord. Joy not only heals us of our past sins and failures, but it sustains us through whatever difficulties and hardships we experience during our present daily walk. So the gift of joy, why do we need it? The second reason is to sustain us. In Habakkuk, and I don't really know if that's how you say it. My husband and I had this debate. But I learned the books of the Bible in second grade in the sing-songy way. Habakkuk, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Zach, Malachi. I have always just said it like that, so it's Habakkuk to me. In Habakkuk, we see how Habakkuk's choice to walk in joy sustained him and brought him from a place of doubt to a place of worship. Habakkuk, just a little background. He lived during one of Judah's most critical periods. His country had fallen from the heights of Josiah's reforms to the depths of violent treatment of its citizens, oppressive measures against the poor, and collapse of their legal system. The world around Judah was at war and the threat of invasion from the north added to Judah's internal turmoil. So when we look at Habakkuk, there's something I want to point out to you. It's not a long book, three chapters. The difference from the beginning of the book, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and the end of the book, chapters 3, verses 17 through 19, is striking. In the first four verses, Habakkuk is overwhelmed by the circumstances all about him. He can think of nothing except the iniquity and the violence he sees among his people. He believes God has left the scene. His words are forgotten. God is nowhere to be found. Let's read Habakkuk 1, through 1-4 in the New Living. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not Listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Where I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. However... In the last three verses, Habakkuk has completely changed. Chapter 3, 17 through 19. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sheer-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. The prophet realizes that God is the source for his strength and joy, that it is possible to rise above circumstances and rejoice in them by focusing on God who stands above all. He doesn't deny his problems or treat them lightly. The situation has not changed. It is just as bad as it was in the beginning. But instead, he finds God sufficient in the midst of his troubles, which sustains him through the situation. In verse 18, joy there is gil, which means to joy, rejoice, be glad, be joyful. Gill contains the suggestion of dancing for joy or leaping for joy, since the verb originally meant to spin around with intense motion. I love this because this lays to rest the notion that the biblical concept of joy is only a quiet, inner sense of well being. I love it because every time that the Lord fills me with his joy and I walk in it and I choose to embrace it and let it flow out of me it is never quiet I am loud I am laughing I am crying I am a mess there is all this stuff coming out of me as a result and I may look silly but to him he's right there with me as we learned earlier With Zephaniah 3.17, God dances for joy. He danced for joy over Jerusalem, and because of his people, he dances for joy over me. When we are full of joy, and we are exuberant, and we are spinning around with intense motion, with the joy of the Lord, he is right there with us. Although everything was wrong in Habakkuk's external world, he is leaping for joy over his fellowship with the lord which we see in verse 19 and it's what sustains him through nehemiah 8:10 in the new living translation says and nehemiah continued go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared this is a sacred day before our lord Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, the people had just found out how far away they were from the Lord's commands, that they were not following and doing it right at all. So they were pretty bummed. I'm way over here. The Lord's way over here. How are we ever going to make it over here? They needed to know how to sustain and make it through and come to that place where the Lord wanted them to be. And they could do that with the joy of the Lord, sustaining them, being their strength. I'm not always happy about my circumstances. Are you? I find a lot at work. I have a stressful job and things don't go the way that I want. Uh, I found that it was taking a lot of my joy, but I was allowing it to take my joy because as I said in the beginning, and as we'll continue to see, joy is a gift that we have to choose to receive and we have to choose to walk in it. We have to choose to allow it to heal us and we have to choose to allow it to sustain us to get through Whatever our circumstance is. Paul was in prison when he said, in Philippians 4:4, 4, 4, "Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice." I think he'd figured out how to sustain. He's in prison, and he's saying, "Always be full of joy in the Lord. We may not be happy about our circumstances. But in spite of what we may be going through, God wants to fill us with joy inexpressible and full of glory, according to 1 Peter 1.8. The gift of joy. Why do we need it? The third reason is to bring victory. See, the Lord... I think he's amazing in how he allows us to have this joy so that we can get the healing. The healing that we need to then have the joy to allow us to sustain through our walk with him. But he doesn't just want us to sustain forever because he's called us to be more than overcomers in him. So then he says, now you're going to use the gift of joy because you have been sustaining for a really long time. But guess what's coming? The victory. The gift of joy doesn't just allow us to make it through every day, but joy brings us victory for our future. It brings us victory in the battle. Psalm 68, 1 through 3, in the New King James says, Let God rise, let his enemies be scattered, let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Victory over the enemy is one of the greatest joys we will ever experience. The righteous rejoice exceedingly. Whenever God rises up and scatters our enemies from before us, victory is on its way with accompanying joy. Isaiah twelve two through 4 in the New Living says, See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day, you will sing. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving you trust him tonight because in order for us to have this joy to allow him to heal us restore us sustain us and then march through to get the victory you have to trust him how can you have the joy if you don't trust him because if we don't trust him all we see is our circumstances all we see is what's around us So when he comes to us and says, I've got this, lay it down. Come be with me. My joy truly is your strength. Let me show you how. We say, I don't believe you. How can it be? That mountain is too great. I don't see how you could ever possibly conquer it. But if we trust him, Habakkuk came to a place of trusting him. Then we can say, all right, you've got it. And it allows us to then have faith in him. And then it allows us to say, I will let your joy cover me and see me through this. And I will keep my eyes on you and I will not look at what is around me, but I will go forward with your joy and see how you are going to make a way. And these scriptures that we just read, They're so victorious. And I just feel like I'm sitting on a horse with a sword in my hand going forth and conquering. But the greatest thing is that I am not at the head of that battle going forth. My Jesus is, and he is leading the way. And he is the one bringing the victory. And how awesome it is that while he's doing all of that, he wants nothing more than for us to be full of joy which the circumstances make us think that that's the very opposite of what we could be at that time. He loves us so much that he says, don't be be troubled. Don't let your heart be worried. Just let me lead you and see how I'm your daddy and I'm going to take care of this. There are many of you who have been going through battle after battle with seemingly no victory discouragement has set in and your joy has been stolen but tonight God wants to rise up on your behalf restore your joy and bring unprecedented victory into your life and situation this is his will for you and me Jesus said I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly There are times in our lives when the Holy Spirit pours extra measures of joy on our lives. But we still have to choose to receive it and to walk in it. Like the ability to run for an hour, it doesn't come automatically. It needs cultivation. When life gets painful or doesn't go as we'd hoped, it's okay if a little of our joy seeps away. The Bible teaches that true joy is formed in the midst of the difficult seasons of life. True joy doesn't depend on circumstances or environment. It is a gift that must be chosen and it must be cultivated. A gift that ultimately comes from God. And it's a gift that, nurtured and applied to our life consistently, brings healing strength sustenance and victory in our lives through that we then have this gift of joy that we are to give to others it's not meant just to be kept for ourselves but to be shared the fourth reason that we're going to look at tonight on the gift of joy why do we need it is to witness The gift of joy is to be evident in our lives. When it is, it's one of the best evangelistic tools you can have. When you choose joy and are cultivating it in your life, others see it and they want to know what's different about you. It's the perfect gateway to sharing the love of Jesus and how it's the joy of your salvation delivered by him That allows you to walk out a joyous life, especially when it's a healing or sustaining time in your life. People see that life isn't easy right then, but somehow the joy of the Lord truly is your strength. Seeing the application in your life, they want to know. They want to know how it is that they can see the circumstances because that's what they're focused on. They can see that life isn't easy gravy right now, but they can see that you have a gift, a countenance that you're walking in that is not happiness because happiness is determined by circumstances, but it's inward and it has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. Seeing this application in your your life is greater than any words that you could tell them. And it's the joy being transparent in your life that will want them to hear what you have to say. And I think that's amazing because they see it and it's better than any lip service you could ever pay. But because they see it, they want you to tell them about it because they need it. Isaiah 12:4 through 6, in the New Living Translation says, Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. You know, originally I didn't have this fourth piece as part of my sermon. I thought I was all done. I had sent Andy all of my scriptures and uh, I went to my parents' house and was actually just trying to get some food for dinner so my <laughs> husband and I didn't have to go to the grocery store. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> My dad said, So tell me what you're sharing about. So I told him. I told him about the first three. My father is a preacher, has been, will be, till the Lord calls him home, which will be a long time from now, Dad. I'm not trying to get you in the grave early. But um, he said, You know, I have a fourth step if you're interested. You know, if you, if you want to add it, if not, that's fine. But he said, Joy is a great tool for witnessing. And I went home, and the Lord just began to show me all these things, and I got so excited, and I thought, this is amazing. Now I know what it's like, why he he loves the word and loves to preach and have sermons and why every week mark gets so excited to do this and i just was going through the word and it's amazing how many places in our word joy is and these are just four areas there's so many other ways it was overwhelming there were times i was like okay lord just hone it in show me exactly what you have but i think that this is key i think to a lot of people that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and who look in at the church, unfortunately, I think that the joy is missing and they don't see enough of the joy of the Lord flowing out of us. Because if they see that, something that they can't attain from themselves, something that they cannot deny, you know how it is when someone is joyful, you're drawn to them. You can't put your finger on it, but you want to be around them. And that's what it is when the world sees him through us because it's his gift to us, something that we can't make up, something that we can't fabricate. But when we have it and it flows out of us, oh, if we're not evangelistic, well, just having that is going to make the Holy Spirit's job so easy because they are drawn to us. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, we see that the ultimate reward for Paul's ministry was not money, prestige, or fame, but new believers whose lives had been changed by God through the preaching of the good news. In 1 Thessalonians 2:19 and 20, in the New Living Translation, Timothy speaks to the church on behalf of himself and Paul, saying, After all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. No matter what ministry God has given to each one of us, our highest reward and greatest joy is should be those who come to believe in Christ and are growing in him.